0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Art Tenders with Mac and Dan. I am Dan, and we do this, uh, we try to keep a weekly podcast uh, where we review pieces of art that we want to look at, discuss, and sort of take in what they're doing. And so this one was a long time coming. So we have done the three seasons of Avatar, each individual episodes, to ramp me up into watching. The Legend of Korra, another TV show that appeared on Nickelodeon and was a sequel to the series, The Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, and a big reason why we're doing this sort of setup and now we're doing Korra is because I don't want to speak out of turn here, but Mac, what are your just very yeah. base thoughts on Korra?
1: Sure. So so uh, the reason that we started watching Avatar in the first place is because I wanted to get um, Danny and, uh, Emma to come and, and uh, Danny and Emma to come and talk together, um, so that we can all, uh, bash it together. Just absolutely roast the living hell out of it.
0: And to explain who Emma is, Emma is Mac's girlfriend, and she is actually joining us on this episode, our very first guest. Absolutely. Say hi, Emma.
2: Hey, guys. And Emma,
0: what are your, just very quickly, before we get into the nitty-gritty and the details, what are your immediate first thoughts on The Legend of Korra?
2: Okay, well, I did write down some notes, and the notes are titled, The Legend of Korra is Garbage. So, there's that. That kind of sums it up.
0: All right, so, and I... (laughs) So, usually, for these podcast episodes, I come in with notes. For this one, I didn't come in with any notes. And there's a specific reason why. And it's because, so these two individuals, I am getting tag-teamed here. And because they do not care for this show, as you just heard, but I actually, upon first viewing, thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now uh, to,
1: to clear things up, Emma does dislike it quite a bit more than me. That does not mean that I like it. I... I I would definitely say that I do not like it. But that's not to say that I absolutely vividly hate it. Um I just don't necessarily like it.
0: So I <laughs> I in my mind kind of how I see this shtick going today uh-huh. uh is me, have you seen that image of the, it's a sort of drawing, it's a painting of sorts, uh, and it's like a meme, essentially, and it's the, like, the army, uh, like, soldier, right, taking in all the bullets and all the shrapnel and protecting, like, the little kid in the bed? That's terrifying. So I am the soldier.
1: Oh, my god! And then
0: Cora's the kid in the bed.
1: That's not the truth, Danny, no. <laughs> To
0: say really fast, i like, I really enjoyed Korra, and we'll get into more detail. Can I,
1: can I tell you what, why that specific image bothers me? Why? Because implying that Korra is the little kid implies that Korra
0: has any sort of life to it whatsoever, and it does not. And I think this is wholly unfair. But, Emma, you have a list, is that correct, of yes. things you did not like about the Legend yes. of Korra? Yes.
2: Absolutely. Well, kind of going off of what Max said right there, I also don't think that it's fair to label Cora as like anything that needs protecting, seeing as she has no positive qualities. Oh, I like that
1: (laughs) starting point. I like that starting point. (laughs) I
0: am
2: not going to
0: object currently. I am going to hear, I am going to listen, and I am going to (laughs) intake because clearly I disagree. But I want to give the possibility of me being wrong. So please, Emma, let's just start with one thing. What was one thing in particular that just peeved you about the show?
2: Yeah, so Cora herself as a protagonist, I didn't find her as a super likable protagonist. I felt like she didn't have to change very much. A lot of things were just handed to her. Um, and since we're following her on her journey to becoming the Avatar, then you kind of expect some kind of arc or growth. But it seems like she just kind of like ran f- headfirst into everything and then things just worked out in the end.
1: Mm. Um, c- kind of along that, that, that same line, it really bothered me. I think like the, one of the, the pinnacle things that set the show on an awful, awful track is that in the very first episode... They show that, like, as a child, like, before, like, as a toddler, right, she already has three of the four elements mastered. One that breaks plenty of rules about the show. No Avatar has ever done that before. That's kind of strange. And also, it's like, now, now it's just a matter of, like, like you, you figure out how to do air and then what. And, and the, like, there's, just like Emma was saying, there's not really anything to build off of after that. So,
0: to begin, um, there's there's a lot to tackle. Thank you for
1: waiting. Thank you for waiting. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I can I w- feel w- the heat radiating off your body. Oh,
0: because immediately I was like, there's so many things. I could just, hey, right now, right here, right then. <laughs> Um, So, the thing is, is that I at first thought the same thing. I was confused as to why would they immediately start this show with Korra already mastering But at the very least, she has three of the four elements, right? That's a very distinct approach. Eventually, I was sort of putting the pieces together, right? So the last element that she didn't have was air. And it made me have the sort of realization that, oh, that's right. We have already seen three seasons of somebody learning water, learning earth, learning fire. The big, one of the big things that I appreciate a lot about Korra is how much it's trying to do its own thing and how much it's not trying to be like Airbender. So we have from the beginning of something very, very different, right? We don't necessarily have someone becoming the Avatar and and getting into that role, right? We had Aang who at the very beginning, like from the show trying to run away from the responsibilities of being an avatar until the very end he confronts it and becomes a successful avatar, right? And then we have... We see it in the very first episode of Korra that Korra wants to be the avatar immediately. She wants those respons- responsibilities. So that show is a little bit less about becoming the avatar, and it's more about how do I approach this as the avatar? Like, I already have that responsibility, and I think... um, I have the necessary tools to fulfill that responsibility. Also, to just go right back to, um, Korra learning the other elements, uh, like I said, we have already seen a character learn water, earth, fire, um, and I appreciate the show, just the first thing it's doing was just getting that out of the way, and then focusing on a character learning air, which is not something that we've seen, period. Um... Also, just a quick rebuttal, that we don't know how previous avatars learned their elements. We saw Aang and we saw Roku, how they learned their elements. Um, but how do we know how so many generations of avatars uh, partook their journey? And also one. And also Avatar One. yes, thank you
2: just really quick an image that popped into my head is that whenever cora is learning how to airbend the first thing she does the very first thing is she cheats in a race against children much younger than her using her airbending powers on those little, like, wind balls or whatever. I think she, like, cheats against Jinora, and I forget the other two little ones. That
0: is correct. Uh, she so, cheats against Jinora, Iki, and Milo. There the we go. The three wonderful children, the yes. grandchildren of Avatar Aang. Okay.
2: Who I would, I think any of them would be a more likable protagonist than Korra. Also, like, Asami, a very likable protagonist. Honestly, like, Bolin, a likable protagonist. But Cora, I just was like, mmm.
0: So your your problems with Cora, the character, stems from the sort of journey that she takes and you feel that she does not take a proper character journey. Did you so you did not feel let let me let me make sure I'm getting this right, that you did not feel um that she changed from a character for the most part from the very first episode to the very end?
2: Yes. Or even whenever she tried to change everything just kind of fell into place um Mm -hmm. yes also something really had
1: to go through any any hardship and a built-in hardship with the avatars learning the elements and she didn't have to do that
2: yeah well and also I, i watched a video on this and they were talking about how most of the time um the avatars journey they're learning other skills and tools besides just the elements cuz they have to study with different masters and they go to a lot of different places but in Qu- in Chora's case they just i think it's is it the the white lotus the the red lotus the white lotus the yes white is the lotus. organization yeah yeah they just came and they trained her so she didn't have to learn skills like responsibility or how to communicate with others she literally was just like trained for combat like as a weapon and
0: so <laughs> We have, Mac, we have already seen the show of somebody learning the elements, and that was a large part of their hardship. Now, I know you're saying that that is a qualm that you have with this current show, but I can tell you relatively confidently, um, not necessarily, I don't think, I, and I'm basically putting words in your mouth, and I understand that, And but I've gone down this path, so I have to keep going. Yeah, go, go, go. That you do not want... To watch that show again in a different manner. Cause you've already seen that show. And so if if Korra tried to be more like Avatar in its execution, it would have failed, I think, even more. I because I think there's nothing that Korra, the show, could have done that Avatar also did, and that Korra could have done a better job at that. So Korra immediately from the beginning sets out to do to do a very different Thing, yeah, 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 and I'm saying that they didn't have to, um,
1: n- not 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 specifically with the Avatar stuff necessarily, but I mean in general, the, Avatar: The Last Airbender as a, as as a as a prequel series, um, already set up so much, and I mean really assisted uh, Legend of Korra in that it gave it such an awesome world yes. to jump into. I agree. And Cora took a shit on that world before it started.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to take it one thing at a time. One thing at a time. Uh, uh, (laughs) Go ahead. I love it. I was
2: just going to say, I don't have a problem with the book structure. Like I don't have a problem with how they go from like air to spirits. I don't remember what the other two were, but like my problem Mm -hmm. is just with her. Like I don't like her character traits. I don't find her super likable. And I don't feel like that changes by the end.
0: I think, um, so, sorry, I just took a big old pause and there was just nothing there. I apologize <laughs> no, no, for that. No, 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 But. It's a good old thinking pause. I, it's one of those I pauses. can, so that's. Actually, I so so far, I just want to say that um, all the things that Mac has been saying, uh, I have not cared for. There, I and I'm st- I'm sitting right next to him, right. <laughs> I have been wholeheartedly disagreeing with everything that he's been saying, but to a degree, I ha- I ag- to a d- degree, I agree with what you are saying, Emma. Um, Thank you. That I don't have that same big of a problem as Cora. I still feel as though she does change as a character. Um, but those changes aren't as obvious and they should be obvious, right? And sort of, so you were mentioning earlier as well, how avatars would learn like about responsibility and stuff through their teachings, right? And what I appreciate about this show is that Korra also learned about these responsibilities, but they weren't through teaching. They were through practice and they were through confronting these foes. Um, and like I said, I do think Korra changes as a character, But it's definitely not as obvious and not as it feels like big of a change compared to Aang essentially growing up, right? Um, Where we have this character in Korra. Like, once, because for me, once you actually start to look at the little things and you're like, okay, no, Korra has grown and she is matured and of definitely originally at the beginning everything is headstrong and headfirst and I agree the things just kind of fall into her lap and it just works out in the end because mostly because of like the amount of support that she has around her um but yes I I see where you're coming from um but Mac yeah. you were saying just now uh how Cora takes a big old uh crap on the <laughs> world that is set up by the original show can you please yeah. go into further detail Okay, so right off the
1: bat, what is the biggest difference between um, Korra... Like, in the first few seconds of the show, um, the biggest difference between Korra and the world that Avatar, the Ostermen, created?
0: I think uh, it's basically this world's uh, version of the Industrial Revolution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So why does that need to happen?
0: Uh, (laughs) So I understand where you're coming from. I think also it would have not made sense if it didn't happen so let me go into detail i would like that, that. i would like it a lot because so in the first season we still see some industrial things happen right but they're not as frequent right right we still see some factories we see a bunch of tanks and we see the drill going into bossing say right but what's um it's sort of through line between all those things is that they're all controlled by the fire nation, right? So the fire nation has control of all of these technological advancements. Mm. Once the fire nation has been essentially freed and Zuko has helped alleviate, uh, those sort of borders, Mm -hmm. let's say, um, of course the spread of technology is going to happen. And in a world where you can so easily just create buildings because of a bunch of Earthbenders, um, and do things a lot more easily when uh, resources is just your own corpus, of course there's going to be this sort of technological revolution where the world is going to progress like crazy. So I was also a little bit jarred at the very beginning of the show, like, oh man, we're in the 1920s. Oh, there are cars. Oh, there are just these things happening. And it's not just like that sort of thing, but it's also the clothing that people wear. Yeah, And sort of like a lot of the customs have changed, right? The sort of like the only things that stayed true um, to how they were the 70 years ago uh, where Airbender was set was like small villages and uh, Air Temple Island and how Tenzin and his crew um, do traditions, right? Yeah. So the, those were the only things that were really constant. But I, I'm i happy that they took this bold approach and it's going to be the same thing. And I, I imagine I'm going to keep repeating myself that, Korra tries to do something that Avatar didn't, right? So it makes sense that this world has progressed uh 70 years later. And so we we're, we're going to see a lot of these a lot of this new version of this world. Um and we have already seen um Airbender be set in this one world and it's nice to have a sequel where even though it's familiar, it's also completely different. Emma, you have something to say.
2: Really quick, I don't know if this bothered either of you, but I don't understand how we went from one Appa to an entire population of Sky Bison seventy years later. How did they repopulate? I don't Skisen. understand.
0: Skyson, Th- that is a question, and that is a question I still have, and that is a question I'll always have. And I can, I can have that as one of the sort of ticks against Korra, because. My so I will say I'm I will be candid. My, one of my biggest things about Korra is how it wanted to sometimes just over explain everything and remove the mystery on some things. Mm. Um. So, what the big thing that I'm alluding to is the origin of the Avatar and how the first Avatar started. Right. So, did we need that? No, I didn't mind the execution of the sort of origin story of the first Avatar and Avatar 1, because I thought, like, also the art style in those couple of episodes was somehow distinctly unique um, from the rest of the show, uh, as well as just where the show was going from there. I thought it was interesting, but like I said, we didn't need it. And so what it does is this sort of thing that I like to call the mystery box, right? There's a TED Talk by... J.J. Abrams, a few years ago. And what he talks about is that sometimes you have this mystery box, right? And the sort of mystery of it, of whatever is in that box, makes it super-duper interesting. But sometimes when you open that box, it's not going to be cool as cool as the mystery originally was. Mm. And I think that was one of the biggest drawbacks. So I didn't mind... Um, the second season where this happens, uh, taking the direction of putting more of a focus on the spirit world and having a completely different problem that Aang had to deal with. Uh, in the original show, like he dealt with the spirit world a little bit, but not to this scale, right? Um, but I think Season 2 in particular was drawn back by this sort of world-ending thing that has to that's related to the very first Avatar, right? Things like that that I do believe that it held back the show. But once again, I, I want to make sure that I am heard, that I appreciate that Korra tries to do very do- different things. And if you don't feel that those things are good on their own, that's fine. But I... I appreciate them sticking their neck out to do something completely different because we've already seen that show. And if they try to make another avatar itself, it would have not been successful.
1: I I agree with that, by the way. I I, I agree with that sentiment. Sorry.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, Two things that I was just thinking about right then. One, I think another inconsistency that's kind of difficult to overcome is the fact that the avatar state means little to nothing in Legend of Korra. Like it's basically just gives her the amount of power that she needs to kind of be on the same level as her enemy. (laughs) So she brings it out in almost every fight. And that was a little bothersome. Um, But also because we were talking about how we had those origin episodes that kind of broke up the formula for this season. Mm -hmm. I found that that's another problem that I had with Korra was in Avatar Last Airbender each episode was kind of contained within itself where you would have a story every episode, but it was building towards something larger. Whereas with Cora, the formula seemed to be a full season. So I feel like we had a lot of like mush or a lot of filler until like the last four episodes of every season and then it would get good. And then a lot of plot would be involved.
1: And I, I would actually, I, personally, I would, I would shorten that to two, the last two episodes of each season. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Wow. May, may okay. I go into that, or do you want to go? You go?
0: I I, okay. I I've been talking a lot. I've been talking a lot. Why why don't you go into that? Okay, sure. So so um,
1: yeah. I th- I think kind of going off of what Emma said. Um, I think that the Avatar the Last Airbender did a not perfect but a fantastic job at finding a marriage between the idea of three act structure and serialized television because it was kind of in that like in between section of of. Of TV um, history, where it kind of had to be both at the same time, and so it was really good at um, there's a three act structure to every to I mean like like there were three seasons and three extra acts within each season within each episode and all that good stuff, as well as like Emma was saying it it stayed true to serialized television by having the, the war be its frame that like there was always the, the war in the background and there was a super objective for the series. There's not really one for Legend of Korra mm-hmm. for all three seasons. Each season four. Sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so Get sorry. Get those facts. Mate. I know, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, there's
0: not a through line for the four seasons. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like each season like happens on its own, and I think the problem with that is that because each episode is stuck within whatever format they decided the, that season was going to be. And it's cuz like with with Avatar, if they have a bad episode, the next episode's going to be an entirely different story in a new place with new characters. Whereas with Korra, whenever you have a bad episode, it's like they're sh-
0: stuck in that plot. That
1: shit's going to carry to the next episode, and the next episode, and it's going to take you a few episodes before you can bounce back from that. Because you you're stuck in in whatever story you've made for yourself. And you
0: got to tie that at least in some way right I understand where that sentiment is coming from 100% um that I think um this sort of narrative structure where uh each episode doesn't necessarily have its own plot and each season is its own story essentially is I think both one of Korra's biggest strengths and also one of Korra's biggest weaknesses I agree with that yeah um Because so what what this does, right, is that it presents a new uh, with sorry, each season having its own villain, essentially, it presents Korra with a new thing to tackle each time, right? That's like each thing is a very big deal, right? So I never, I never really felt like the stakes were low for one individual villain over the other, right? I felt that the stakes were high for Amon, I felt that they were high for Vatu and Unalak, for Zahir and for Kuvira at the end, all in their own unique ways. Um but I agree with what you say, right? That if if like an episode is finds itself in this poor plot, it's going to take a minute to get itself out. Um and so but I think for me also this allows for the dramatic storytelling to be more rewarding because you're getting more of this arc throughout an yeah. individual season. It did fix a- the
1: one problem we were talking about with Avatar. That yes. That kept going. Yeah.
0: Yes. Uh, which was the pacing, right? Am I, am I speaking out of turn here?
1: Yeah, the pacing and that, that they, um, they give enough time
0: to each story. Yeah. Uh, Emma, you have some thoughts?
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that is one of the positives for Cora for me is the villain structure. How they're actually just people that have different sets of ethics and ideals instead of being like, "Ha a bad guy." They're each different, and they're just showing. Like, I I think it was season three that they kind of went to like a communist background. Uh, basically,
0: Omon. yes. No, no, no. So, so Aman was the so Aman was the equalist in the first season. Yes, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right then you're right. we had the ball Unalak. Camera. Uh yes, we'll get there. So then we had Unalak, which was the uh head of the Northern Water Tribe in the second season. Yes, the brother of Korra's father. And he basically united forces with the uh it's kinda silly, but like the dark spirit. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. Um that's, that's I, I, really fast. I think season two is the weakest season. Um, I
1: was about to ask what you thought was the worst and best.
0: It's, uh, sec- uh, season two is the worst. I think season three is the best. Um, season three had Zaheer, and Zaheer uh, was a part of the Red Lotus, which was the opposite of the White Lotus, and the Red Lotus wanted essentially disorder, and that was their order. Like there's, there's something in anarchy. Like anarchy is the way to live life, essentially. And then we had the fourth season, which was Kuvira, which was the Great Uniter, which was basically a conqueror. And I, what I liked so much about these villains, and there was a little bit that Toph in season four talked about, was that each villain's ideals weren't necessarily bad. Um, Amon wanted non-benders to be equal in, in some capacity, um, Unalaq uh, wanted a unification of the spirit world and the actual physical world. Zahir wanted uh, people not to be bound in chains to a degree, right, by governments and such. And then we had Kuvira trying to unite a country together. And how those four individuals go about um, those issues um, is completely radical, right? Um, but offer so much more interesting character than Fire Lord Ozai. So I appreciate this show uh, going into the sort of villains where um, they're just fundamentally more interesting characters. So we're we're also drawn to not only the main crew but as well as like uh, how the villains succeed. Did you have a thought, Emma? Was I just wholly wrong?
2: Um, I can have one. But yeah, so I think that the villains are way more appealing. Um, I think that one of the things that was hard for me with this show was <laughs> that love triangle that just... who Does anyone yeah. break up with anyone? Because I don't think they do. They just like move on to dating someone There's else. some
1: unspoken <laughs> agreement that it's like, we're not seeing each other anymore and I'm just going to go over here.
0: Yes, Um, but um, we're we're a little bit woo on time. I just occurred. I was so enthralled by this uh, conversation. But when we come back from our break, the first thing we'll discuss is this love triangle.
1: Howdy, folks, and welcome back to the Artins with Mac and Dan. We have Emma here as well. Um, We left off last uh, last segment. segment. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, last segment on (laughs) the love triangle. The love triangle. I hate you. Okay, the the love triangle um, between oh gosh, we well, have how can you forget their names? Cora, we have uh, Mako,
0: and we have Asami.
1: Asami. Oh, we have Mako, and right? Right, and and Asami, as I'm sure Emma's about to say, is not objectively, but a little cooler than Cora.
2: Well, yeah. Also, she's like freaking hot. She's oh, well, so yeah, there cool.
0: Is that. We are not here to judge.
2: Okay, but One's I I don't here. I don't even mean that in like a physical way. Here. I do, but I also mean in like a cool way.
0: <laughs> Asami is cool. Like <laughs> she's yeah. a badass. Yeah. She
2: like runs the company. She like took it in stride that her dad was evil and like just kept going, you know?
1: I I never knew what big dick energy was until I saw
0: Asami. Wow, hot take. And then she well, that, Asami that my, no, I'm kidding.
2: Asami was literally so cool that the Avatar, The Last Avatar's like yeah, let's ditch this place. Let's just get out of here. You know what yeah, I mean? True. Okay,
0: okay, okay.
1: <laughs> Can we also get get into that too?
2: Wait, wait, we will. We will, we will.
0: But but before we get into the very end of the love triangle, I, I want to briefly talk about the 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 beginning and the middle of the love triangle. So, Emma, you did not like the love triangle is that an accurate no, thing for me to not say? Not
2: at all. Mainly because of the lack of clarity. Like, yeah. especially, um, again, like, remind me if I'm wrong, but Cora loses her memory for a hot sec, and Mako yes. and Asami are dating during that time, and then whenever she comes back and she thinks that she's still dating Mako, like, no one corrects her. Mako and Asami just stop dating. Yeah. There is no closure. He's just Everyone's like...
1: Everyone's like, mm, yikes, well, <laughs> that's not good, and then nothing <laughs> happens.
2: I I appreciate
0: the show to a degree, I- uh, I mean, like, look, I agree. Um, at, at the very least, like, the show kind of like acknowledges it later. So Mako is really awkward around Asami and Korra, and is also has a really awkward conversation with Asami, and later on, a really awkward conversation with Korra as well. Not to say though that the execution of the love triangle was good, right? I'm never inherently sort of opposed to love triangles. But I feel like it's also typical for love triangles to not necessarily succeed. And I don't think this show necessarily succeeded with their love triangle. Um, because it—it's it, uh, the show's priorities were a little bit confusing. Whether or not it really wanted to dip its toes into this triangle or not. Um, and sort of like... The, the show didn't want to confront... Messed up relationships that could happen in an actual love triangle. So it's just like, yeah, Team Avatar, but I'm totally in love with this guy and you're totally in love with this guy. And for the time, and this guy's in love with both of us and he can't decide. And that's a really poopy thing. Um, Yada, yada, yada. It's so the execution of it is very frustrating. I'm not opposed to the concept of it, but I am opposed to how the show did it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Kind of like what you're saying, and what we were saying earlier as well, that um, Avatar was able to get away with stuff like that. There was a couple times where they started things and were like, mm, you know what, yeah, that's actually not going to fly, or that's that's not interesting enough to, to keep. And they were able to just get rid of it, but you can't really incorporate
0: Because they were able to put things down in Avatar, and then pick it up later because of how the narrative structure was right. for each individual episode. And I think right. the the probably the finest example of that, wow, I just took the weirdest breath intake oh my in my life. Are
1: you, are you good? Are you good? I
0: don't know. Am I?
1: Uh, you kind of look <laughs> different. You look like you changed.
0: Great. Um, the, the best example of Avatar being able to essentially drop something and pick it up later uh, was when Aang and Katara kissed at the Black... Uh, the invasion of the Black Sun and Aang brings it up later right Um, at the same time though if I'm remembering things correctly their relationship didn't really change in between though which was a shame Yes. so I guess that's another case where that was both the Avatar, the, the Airbender, Airbender's aid and detriment yeah. that how it was able to drop things, but also like it was able to drop things. So it did feel like the writers were like, ooh, we were able to get out of that one, weren't yeah, we, right. guys? Ooh, close one. Let's like, just revisit it five episodes later. Right. Like Instead like, of having to deal with this now.
1: Right. It's you know? nice. like Like thinking back. You're like, man, I wish I would have gotten that. But in the moment, I wasn't really thinking too hard about it. Like, they
0: certainly gave themselves, like, get out of jail free cards in Airbender, where the narrative approach in Korra didn't allow them to execute that sort of thing.
1: I think a lot of that has to do with just the fact that it's Nickelodeon. Like, they were able to get away with, like, this is a kid's TV show and, like, mask themselves as that, even though it definitely was not Mm -hmm. for a lot of it. And Korra, I don't think. I don't think they really set themselves up set themselves up to be just a regular kid show.
0: I agree. I I actually that's a very good segue in the sort of thing that I want to ask next is, and I'll ask Emma this first. Do you think? Uh, I I think it's safe to say that the Legend of Korra overall is a more mature show than Avatar: The Last Airbender. So with that, do you think that? Korra succeeds in that storytelling? Uh, it's not necessarily like the most mature story, but do, but do you think Korra succeeds in having that frame of a story?
2: I mean, I think that it comes across as more mature, but because of the lack of character development, like exploring things like real relationships or real emotions or like depth of character, those are some of the things that age a series up. And so while the action was maybe more mature and the plot lines were more mature, whereas they took more thought to get through, I think that if you're a child that's then a teen trying to navigate the world and they're looking to Cora to be like their teen show that maybe will help them with that or appeals to them rather than like a kids show to watch for fun, I don't know that it does that. Mhm.
0: Okay. I I I totally I totally understand that. Mac, did you have something to say?
1: Yeah, kind of on that. I I think that there was a lot of like um there's a lot of like cop-outs in terms of um the way in which they aged it up. Uh I I wish that instead of um picking up like having a bunch of different villains that had Different, like, philosophical backgrounds. They had all like. had
0: different objectives in, in yeah. one way or another. To, for Which most was part.
1: cool, but it kind of, like... They kind of made it out to be a little more complex than it actually was. I wish they maybe would have um, picked one specific uh, philosophy that was a little more complicated and delved into that. Rather than... Um, I don't know.
0: I, I, th- I think, it- a, a, like, as opposed to, like, yeah. So each villain had their own ideal, um, and and I will say, like, I I think that's that's a fair criticism because I think the best example of them having this very good idea for the sort of objective that a villain has. Um, but then not really following one hundred percent through is a mon. Yeah.
1: Yes, 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 yes. There, there was a lot of ideas and representation in the villains. I feel like the villains were ideas and representation. And I an want to say, like,
0: I think the villain, like every single villain in that show, was more interesting than Ozai. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah but, yeah. but like Ozai was more of a plot device than a character. Right. Like it's Ozai was more so what how it serves Zuko and Ang as opposed to like like, these villains are also navigating the world and trying to do their thing. Yeah. Um.
1: I, I actually am curious. Um, Emma, where does Azula rank in those villains? Oh, wow. In Like, in compared to the villains of Korra?
2: Hmm. I mean... Cause I know
1: Ozai is kind of a throwaway, but...
2: Yeah, I feel like she's has to be more impressive just because she's a child. She's, like, 14. And she is, like, this force of nature...
0: So yes, yes, I agree in, in that regard, right? But it, but just looking at the character, right? The, the sort of character that Azula is and how Azula serves the story and other characters as well in the main group per se. How do you think Azula do, does, excuse me, how does Azula do <laughs> in Airbender in comparison to the other respective villains of Korra? Do you find Azula to be more successful or, well, what are, what are your thoughts? Like
1: as a, as a written character? As
0: a written character mm-hmm. and as a villain and how she contrasts as well the protagonist of the story.
2: Um, I feel like Azula is just more pure evil. So kind of how we were talking about the villains and Korra, they're not evil. And like they have people that get behind them outside of, the reason of fear whereas azula really can only use fear to control so like i think that their methods are maybe more interesting because with azula it's like you're scared of her so you're going to follow her and then her friends uh, stop following her whenever they decide they care about something more than they care about the fear they have for her
0: mac did you think azula was a better character than all the villains in Korra?
1: No, I know that's that sounds okay. like like I implied that.
0: It certainly sounded like. So I was just mentally ready to <laughs> attack you and have know, a full fight know, I know, I know, I know. Be on the microphone and have Emma commentate. I
1: do think that Azula was a lot more interesting than you think Azula was. I I think that, I'll le- that. I think that learning about Azula in season 3 of Avatar was actually kind of cool to me mm-hmm. and um it was cool to get to know Azula on a personal level in a way that we never really did with any villain and Korra. Um well except for maybe uh, um, um. Amon,
0: I would say like Amon had like that background like we got we got the story from Aman's brother Tarlok, and and how uh, Amon was raised um, under y- former crime boss Yakon and, and being essentially groomed to be this killer and Yakon's successor. Um, so like but that's the only exception to what you're saying, but still to your point. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't get as much of a deep-rooted background. Yeah,
1: we don't really get emotional buy-in. Right. Um, just, yeah, just just good backstory.
0: But on the subject of villains, because um, I, I feel like we can all agree, can we all agree, first of all, that season two is, is the, of Korra is with Unalak and Vatu and all about the spirit world. It is the weakest in its execution. Is that a fair thing for all of us to agree on? Emma? Yes. Mac. Um
1: I think it is the weakest in its execution. I will yes. agree with that. I, I, th- I think that it that, that was the most interesting subject for me. I liked getting all the the backstory. That's fair. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. It was it was the biggest setup. It had the, it has by in my opinion by far the most potential.
0: Yeah. I think the backstory was good, that doesn't mean the backstory was needed.
1: Yeah, or or executed well.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um but with that being said, uh, I want to talk about, very briefly, Kuvira, uh, who is the villain in the fourth season who was formerly a soldier, let's say a guard, for uh, Su Bei Fong. Forgot her name for a nice. second. Uh, for Su Bei Fong. You see her very occasionally in the third season, right? But you're not supposed to like notice her until the very end of the third season. where It's pretty awkward. But the show awkwardly kind of, like, points to her, and Kuvira talking to Tonrak, Korra's dad, she's like, that's, no worries, you can call me Kuvira, <laughs> and then the, the, the shot is just on her for, like, two seconds, so it's the most obvious thing that, like, oh, next season, this character might be important, also might be evil, because that's a little bit unsettling, um, and so it becomes exactly that. Um, but I, I want to talk about the execution of Kuvira, and I'm and I'm going to throw it to you, Emma, in just a moment. Um, that her background is very different compared to uh, the rest of the villains, essentially. Where, yeah, so we see her be good for a lot of the time and then essentially become misguided and bad. But do, do you feel that Kuvira was a one note villain or do you think that she served the story well for the, I guess the ultimate season of the legend of Korra?
2: Yeah, I think she served it well. I think that the fact that Bo Lin became one of her members for a hot sec also aided her because we have been taught to love and care about Bolin and that he is, like, innocent and good. So then whenever he joins her, you think, okay, well, maybe we're supposed to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, And also, I liked seeing her a little bit in season three because that was the only time that there was some kind of arc between seasons, even though, like you said, it was very awkward, Um, that ending bit.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I liked her as as a character. Um Yeah, what well, well, what were your immediate thoughts? I um agree with Emma
1: specifically with the Bolin bit. I think that that's easily the best thing they could have possibly done with Bolin's character
0: cuz she felt the most human, too. Yeah, which was I I think so much to her advantage as a character as well. Yeah. That like I I feel like her arc um in terms of what she was trying to do was so clear, and, like, I feel like we could rationalize, um, someone getting to her position and becoming a sort of Genghis Khan in this world, um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed her, uh, fundamentally. I will say the giant mech at the end, all of a sudden, um, we had some, you know, Gundam going on at the very end of the season with a giant arm cannon. Uh, I will say, in terms of technological advancement, that one was, like, you know, a little bit too far. Like, I was fine with the mech suits. Like, I was okay with the mech suits. Yeah. But the giant mech that was 25 stories tall, I'm like, this is maybe a little bit absurd. This is kind of Power Rangers. It is. It, it's quite. It's power, it's power Rangers, yeah. Um, But, but I... I'm going to loop this around. And in the biz, they call this a callback. Uh, (laughs) I hate myself. I like
1: the getting close to the thing. It's it's such a good strategy.
0: Yes. Um, But so at the very end of the season, Cora has this dialogue moment with Kuvira. And she says how Cora, Cora says that Kuvira reminds her of herself uh, and how Kuvira is so headstrong into act, into action and essentially taking things into her own hands um and I think to kind of respond to the growth of Korra had as a character I wouldn't say that Korra experienced no growth but I think that sort of dialogue between the two um is is fair and it's true that Kuvira is or I guess like is very similar to what Korra was um that if you look at earlier parts of the season, you're absolutely correct. Korra does go headstrong into things. And Korra absolutely gets saved by Tenzin and others, right? There's no denying it. But I think how she encounters her problems, especially in the fourth season, is completely different than like the first two, essentially. So I, I just want to acknowledge that very briefly. So even though Kuvira and her sort of execution as a villain, was, I don't know, for some reason a weird one to me. I think she was, like, the best one because of how she served uh, the protagonist in some way or form. But also all the villains did for the show, which I appreciate. But nevertheless, Emma, you have a thought.
2: Yes, okay. So just uh, speaking of the good points of Korra, another one for me is Varric. I loved that he was probably the only self-aware character on the show but i feel like he brought like a sense of lightness to the the last seasons that was needed i think that like season 1 tried to take itself too seriously and the fact that they were yeah. using their bending skills to play like this this boxing match kind of game and that that's what we focused on for most of season 1 um uh. i feel like with season 2 when things kind of got a little crazier with the spirit world. It was nice to have Varric there to kind of, like, voice some of the audience's thoughts. And so I felt like he was a great addition to the cast.
0: I want to say, I think uh, this may be a hot take, um, but I think this Korra's ensemble, its collection of characters, is better than Airbenders. Um, Because... so airbenders had a lot of unique interesting characters right but the thing is also about that show much to its aid and much to its detriment every episode has its own plot so for the most part you only get an interesting character for one episode maybe two and maybe you get a payoff way later on right yeah as opposed to this show right where where you will like sort of consistently see characters here and there but it's not really like characters are set up early on for this payoff later it's just like no these characters are a part of this world and we're gonna allow characters to breathe life into this world to make this world more interesting and to improve the relationships the character relationships um and as opposed to like in Avatar like this character is associated with this plot, right? Yeah. It's like no, these characters are being introduced because they are associated with these people. Yeah. Um so something like small characters like Tenzin's kids and Tenzin's siblings I do uh, even like Pema, right? Like t- basically so... Tenzin's whole group, I adore each of those characters in their own way. And they somehow really find ways to be unique in their own style.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say that the ensemble of Korra is stronger. I think I just like the gang better in Avatar. So, And
0: I think that's that's a, such a fair thing. Yeah. Such a so I think thing. that that's
2: my first thought whenever you're like, I think it has a stronger ensemble. But then whenever I think about it, I'm like, oh, wait, I'm just thinking about three characters, and, and those are the Leaves.
1: <laughs> yeah. Also, Pam is voiced by Lisa Edelstein, who was a main character on House, which is one of the. You mean main Kaya?
0: Ones. You're talking about Kaya. I am. Yes, Kaya is Tenzin's sister. Yeah, the waterbender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pema is Tenzin's wife. You're correct. That's a very big difference. Th- Unless, yeah, that was kind needed. of awkward difference. You know.
2: like. <laughs> yeah. Quite.
1: But yeah, no. So Lisa Edelstein is one of the main characters on. Um, and I recognize that House. voice
0: immediately too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But and 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 also like I think a, a lot of the vocal performances in this show are really strong. I'm surprised we didn't get to acting until this very moment. Well,
1: I, I was about I was about to mention that, but right right before we get uh, move on to that, I think another huge difference between another huge difference between Avatar and Legend of Korra is um, th- like we're talking about like how it's made for different age groups and everything. But something that goes along with that is that. Avatar relied so much more on comedy, and they didn't really yes. allow itself to be serious. So, for, for instance, there were a lot of characters that relied on the comedy. So if you did not find Sokka funny, you were not going to buy into Sokka Period. whatsoever. Until, and, like, yeah. Until the so so sword episode. And
0: so, yes. And then when Sokka is serious, it's like, oh, finally. you know, Right,
1: right. You're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of done with you already. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how, how, okay, there's two things that I'm shocked we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Absolutely shocked we haven't talked about yet. I'm shocked that we haven't talked about um, the ripoff Ember Island Players episode.
0: We'll get, yes, okay, okay, that's fair, that's fair, we'll get there.
1: <laughs> and specifically, the genius and unparalleled J.K. Simmons.
0: <laughs> I love J.K. Simmons in the show. I Tenzin think, deserves I'm, I'm say. More. It, I'm Tenzin
2: saying. did not do enough.
0: If I gave a gold medal to someone in the show, it is Tenzin. He is so much fun. Yes. Every time Tenzin on, is on screen, he's great. He also grows as a character, um, which I love. And just the, the I love the relationship between Cora uh, and Tenzin and Tenzin and his family. It's just the funniest and the greatest thing. And J.K. Simmons' acting is superb for an animated show. It's, I mean, Tenzin, through and through, is such a, it's just so neat. I definitely love him.
2: Yeah, well, and I wish I that they gave him head. more to do. Like I wish he had more even. Kind of like Genora, I really enjoyed Genora. And I get it that like they only have time for so much and they can only flesh out characters so much, but she was so cool. I
0: I that's that's I agree. I also disagree because even though like I was happy enough to get some progression for those characters, but I was also able to know okay, the the show is not about them, right? Um, so I was like able to let it slide, but at the same time, I would still be like, I wonder what, why it wasn't Tenzin in this episode. I wish Tenzin was in this episode, right? And Tenzin is in most of the episodes, but there were episodes that Tenzin wasn't in that I would think to myself, man, I wish Tenzin was here. I was really
1: shocked and impressed with how focused the show writers and the showrunners were able to keep the plot. Because yes. there were a lot of times where you can tell that they did not necessarily like the story that was going on or like the, the episode they were writing. But they, they were like, oh, we have to stay focused to the story we chose. We have to keep true to the things that we've set up. Yeah. Um, and that was impressive.
0: Um, I also want to say, I think the theming in this show, um, I, I don't want to say in the sort of message, right? But I lack the proper terms. Um, but the, the, what this show is going for emotionally is to me, I thought was very strong. Um, Where you see throughout the show a lot stories and relationships that have to do, um, that encounter forgiveness. And I am a sucker for absolute sucker for comeback story for not just comeback story but like comeback like emotional story like not comeback like came from nothing and like rose right but i'm saying like emotionally like forgiveness um and so you see it so much between cora and tenzin tenzin and his siblings uh tenzin's kids between each other um, Lin, uh, Beifong, and her sister, uh, Toph, and their children, uh, Tanrak, and, and Korra, as well, it's, and Mako, and Korra, Mako, and Asami, like, it's the whole thing, Mako and Bolin is another great example, there are so many times where characters are at wit's end with one another, but they find a way to, to join together in a very special moment. So, for example, in either the very last episode or the episode before last, when Asami and her father make up for that one last moment when they're in the uh, bee looking mech suit and they puncture a hole into Kuvira's uh, gigantic Gundam, essentially. Um, how. But I was. My heart was sore because I. For me, storytelling wise, like I, I, love the fact that Asami was able to find in some way to forgive her father, to have that emotional payoff that started all the way in season one, and then to like have her father sacrifice himself, so in a in a sense redeeming himself, and just like in that moment, like it's heart wrenching, you know, to. To, to to be able to like celebrate that love and then all of a sudden that love is gone and not by one's volition per se. Um so I think um in the in the emotional and dramatic storytelling and its theming in the show um it executes a such better job as opposed to Airbender where you where you will occasionally get it, right? Like you got it in the Tales of Bossing Say episode where Iroh sets up a picnic for his deceased son right oh. or you get like like zuko um just freaking out at his uncle occasionally here and there right um just in in occasional episodes right but the story like max said it is geared towards comedy it's focused towards comedy um so what korra tries to do is something completely different and so i don't expect a lot of people to be necessarily on board with Korra because Korra and Avatar, even though they're two uh, shows set in the same universe with some of the same exact characters, um, they're two completely different shows that are tied together just because of the worlds that they're in, but not because of the stories they are trying to tell. Emma. Emma do you have any final thoughts on the legend of Korra and what you deep down in your heart of hearts actually think about this show?
2: Yeah. So I think that it would have aided me if I didn't love avatar so much and then went into legend of Korra thinking that it was a sequel, because I think like you said, it's best to approach it as it's in the same world, but it's a completely different thing. Um, and I think that it did get stronger as it went on. I think that seasons three and four were better than one and two. But I just feel like initially first episode, the letdown of it not being just another Avatar The Last Airbender, which is what I wanted in that moment, got to me. And also the fact that Korra immediately was not someone that like I related to or that I thought was super cool. I was kind of like, ah, she's annoying. <laughs> and she was the main focus. Um, but as they added the ensemble of characters, I definitely enjoyed it more. And I feel like like you said that's kind of where Korra shines. Um, but yeah. I mean, as far as people watching it right after Avatar, I've said like go into it with an open mind. Um, and also like maybe even take a break between the two so that you're not just going into it thinking that it's going to be the same thing, but it's a it's worth the watch, especially now because it's on Netflix, so it's free.
0: <laughs> hmm. Mac, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, Final well, thoughts. Well, the, the, the very first thing that I want to get off off my chest is, um, so the episode where they tried to do the Ember Island Players thing.
0: Oh, Right! Oh.
1: Where it was just
0: them. Look, the it was literal- a bad episode. I'm not gonna. I'm okay, not go gonna ahead. front. Okay. Uh, as long as we can all agree that that was cheap. really fast. There was essentially a recap episode, right? And that episode was cheap. This is not an excuse, but I did find out supposedly for some reason, I guess the money that they got to make the show in the fourth season uh, was less than they were expecting slash wanting. So they saved money by essentially quote unquote not doing an episode. Um, Whoa! Yeah, but like that's not to excuse that episode. That right. doesn't make that episode good, right? um I, I, I'm like kind of okay with that episode because it didn't really mess with things narratively too much. Yes. As opposed to the Ember Island episode, where in that season I'm like the pacing is getting messed up here and there. And so I'm so frustrated, like you wasted 23 minutes on recapping the whole show when you could have strengthened relationships between Zuko and the rest of the group when he's only, he's only been here for like five minutes. Um, And then, and then, no, and no, no. And listen to me, listen to me. No, I'm, I'm still, listen, I, yeah, no, go, 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 go. I enjoy Airbender, okay? But the thing that bothered me was because zuko joins the group halfway into season three right like we see this bleep coming in the first season okay we see it coming okay <coughs> then we get it halfway <laughs> into season three and then because they have so little time each episode with zuko is like field trip with zuko zuko and aang go meet dragons zuko and Sokka prison break zuko and katara revenge zuko and Toph. We didn't have time for that episode. You know what? Let's write an episode about the group recapping the old thing. And you know what? Forget character relationship and growth progression with one another. Let's just, you know what? Next episode, let's have a four-episode chronicle of the finale. Mac, what do you have to say?
1: Well, I, I don't think the audience realizes this, but you guys just signed up for another 30 minutes. Um, there There was a—
0: We'll be right back!
1: Are we really going to go to the break right now? You're kidding.
0: I don't have to be. Are, do you actually <laughs> want to go to break? <laughs> Emma, are you happy for another segment? Because I'm ready. Now I'm fueled <laughs> to the fire. Yes. But this is more about, like, your hate for Avatar. Yeah. It's more... Uh, that's fair. I don't want to do that then. <laughs> okay, so this is... Okay, we were is feeling the
2: positive. Place. It was all going to be okay, Danny. And then you just jumped and off the edge. Up.
0: <laughs> because I was thinking about that one episode yeah. one episode in Avatar was like why would you do this there was Honestly, never a moment in Korra that I'm like what the hell are you doing you had such a good thing going right yeah. that like I think maybe like the peaks of Korra were never reached the peaks of Avatar right but the dip that Avatar <laughs> experience was so low like Korra never had as low of a dip
2: uh-huh. that
0: avatar had in that moment cuz it just felt so undeserved the
1: the <laughs> thing that bothered me the most about the the original the, the avatar episode the the and Players, Players, yes, is that um, in making that decision in making the decision to do a recap episode you are in a way telling the audience Okay, well there's not really anything else we we need to do that we really want to do. Yes. And it's like, okay, um, hold up. There's actually plenty you should be doing right now. Yeah. That isn't this episode. Yeah. So I, I, I do agree with that. There was a lot of, th- of things they could have done.
0: And I think like they didn't. even though one that that's a similar thing that happened in Korra, right? Where they're like there could have been things, right? It was just there there were so many problems leading up to the Ember Islands episode that was making me pull my hair out, as I didn't feel as many problems leading up to that episode uh, in Korra, that recap episode. It's still not a good episode. Uh, The lack of money does not excuse that episode. I understand why it happened, but that doesn't make it a good episode. So I am happy that you brought that up. But nevertheless, aside from that one individual episode, uh, even though it's important to acknowledge, what we're... Overall. Your total thoughts on Korra as a show, as an experience.
1: Yeah, um, I thought it was fine. <laughs> I'll leave that's it there. That's fair. Yeah, I, 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 thought it was. Uh, it's a
0: different show.
2: You ranked it like a I, five out of ten with me. Yeah, so that's I very it average. That's <laughs> very yeah, medium. I
1: it because I think that there is no reason I. Because oh, what it, it seems
0: like is you wanted a different show, which is fine. Kind
1: of. But I I, I think the main thing is this. If you've already seen Avatar, then go watch Legend of Korra. If you haven't seen Avatar, don't watch Legend of Korra. As well as, um, unless you're doing a podcast about it, don't... I I, I wouldn't go watch Avatar so that you can watch Legend of Korra. I agree. It's not that good.
0: Um, But if you just want more Avatar... And like we've all said, there... I, I do think they're both very individual experiences. Yeah. And I think if you like Avatar, I think you should at least give Korra a shot.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and that was like the biggest and most important part of Avatar the Last Airbender was that they did like the best, like the, the primary job they did in making that show was they made a fantastic world that even if there was like, th- there wasn't really important things going on, you're okay with just kind of fuck around in the world with these characters because... It was such an interesting world they kept building,
0: as opposed to uh, yeah. more so in Korra. There are things that we need to get done now,
1: right? So the feeling that you have after watching Avatar, where you're like, I kind of just want to like play around this world a bit more. It, uh, Korra will do that enough. Yeah, um, not a lot, but enough. And you?
0: I I listen. I loved Korra. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved Avatar. Um, and I loved those two shows for very different reasons. Um, cause what I think avatar tries to do, I think it does really well. And I think what Korra tries to do, it does really well. Um, and I had a great time watching both series. Um, and I can't help, but recommend, uh, I agree with Emma's notion a hundred percent that once you finish avatar, give yourself some time, um, before watching Korra. Cause it is <laughs> Matt kind of alluded to it, but a sort of culture shock. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, like, the world it is thus created, but still using it the same foundation. Right. Um, to its advantage and to its disadvantage, how it become, becomes a world that's very familiar, but also very unfamiliar. Um, you have a thought. Danny, what are we watching next week? <gasps> Excellent question. Um, so next week... Or we are, listening to, or whatever. We are going to watch. I'm going to explain very br- briefly, briefly, because we are. Whoo, um, we are going to look at a documentary, but it's not a documentary in the traditional sense. It's a documentary that purely just looks at numbers. And you might be w- wondering, that's a weird documentary. You're kidding. You're kidding. You're kidding. You're lying. So there is a documentary that has to do with. I kid you not. Bob's no. In sports, I'm gonna
1: cry. I'm gonna cry,
0: Danny. Uh, done by John Boys and others of Sports Nation. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay, and that is what we'll be observing and reviewing next week. The Bob Epidemic, correct? The Bob Emergency. It's The Bob Emergency. Thank you. I have forgotten the name for a second to to say it. Uh, yes, the Bob Emergency. Two episodes, about thirty minutes each. The Genius John Boys. The Genius John Boys. Emma, thank you. So much, seriously, thank for you. coming on this week. You have supplied impeccable conversation, and I and the both of us greatly appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, thank you You're for right. having me. All right, and thank
2: you, Mac. And thank we'll you, everyone. S- <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see each other again.